You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Well, good morning and welcome to the South Bay Church, uh, to both our North and South campuses. I would like to take this opportunity to uh, get a special hello out to all of our members in the South Bay Church, all the way from San Pedro in the South to El Segundo on the North. I would also like to extend a warm welcome to all of our friends and family members and neighbors that are joining us from both near and far. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us here as we stream our service to you this morning. I want to take the opportunity to introduce myself. My name is Steve Marici, and I'm the senior evangelist, the senior minister here in South Bay. We're part of a group of five other churches throughout coastal Los Angeles. And um, as far as the, the coast and the region that we're part of, as well as a number of other churches within Los Angeles itself, from the Inland Empire all the way up to Santa Barbara on the north and Bakersfield. But I do want to, again, take this opportunity to thank you for joining us. Um, and on this Easter Sunday, happy Easter. Uh, definitely a little outside the norm for me. Uh, it was first Easter where it's just been me and a camera, but uh, grateful to have the opportunity to get the gospel out to you this morning. Uh, wanted to uh, just mention briefly, we're in a series right now that's coming out of the book of First Peter. Uh, last week, Brian Craig talked to us about being transformed and born of this imperishable seed and uh, just part of God's basically plan of getting the good news out and how that transformation takes place through Christ. Uh, the title of the message this morning is The Living Stone and the Chosen People. Uh, it was really kind of awesome, even with all of the COVID stuff and quarantine that's been going on. I did have the opportunity last week to spend some time with our grandkids in quarantine. I didn't know we, in that particular uh, setting, we did not practice social distancing, but uh, anyway, we're all, we've all, we're all good at this point. So um, with that, though, we did watch a show with Cadence and Caleb called Baby Bum, which uh, specializes in nursery rhymes and songs. Um, I don't get it, but it really holds their attention. And one of the particular uh, songs that they, or nursery rhymes that took place while we were watching with them was The Three Little Pigs. And most of us are familiar with that. Um, it's interesting, though, with that, I felt like I needed to get a little bit of background because their rendering was a little different than what I grew up with as a kid. So I went down the rabbit hole on it and I uh, did a little research. It was actually written by an individual by the name of James Hallowell Phillips. And it appeared in English fairy tales uh, that were published in uh, June of 1890. And the story begins with the uh, title characters being sent out into the world by their mother to seek out their, fir- their fortune, their well-being. And I think most of us know, when it came to the three pigs, we start with the first one that moved on out, and he wanted to throw it together real quick, so he built his structure out of straw. Wolf came along, huffed and he puffed, blew it down, and devoured the little pig. Second little pig, a little bit, a little bit more sensitive, I guess, as to the building materials involved, but he built his out of sticks. The big bad wolf came and huffed and puffed and blew the house down again. The third pig was a little bit more, uh, shall we say, uh, concerned with the type of structure he was building. And it took a little bit more time and sure a lot more effort because he built it out of bricks. And uh, with that, the wolf came, huffed and puffed, tried to blow it down to no avail. Uh, he even tried to, at that point, lure the pig out with various guises to get him out of the home. And the uh, pig didn't succumb. He knew what was going on. And uh, eventually the wolf got tired of waiting around, came down the chimney, the uh, third little pig had a boiling pot going. Wolf ended up in it, put a lid on it, and the little pig 
devoured the wolf at that point. Which, uh, you know, thinking back through it, again, may not have been the version that you grew up with, but it is the original. And with that, I think based on the way it was written, it probably got more people's attention back then about the, the moral of the story, the need to work hard and be patient and do things the right way rather than shortcut it and do it the easy way to obviously the two pigs that were referenced earlier on in the story. That's how they did things and they ended up dead. I think today though, we tend to be a little bit too PC worrying about how people are going to respond to things, whether it's nursery rhymes, um, ultimately as well as Christ's message. And I think with that, when it comes to Christ's message, the acceptance of Christ's message, if you really listen to it and you get into the Bible, for those who receive it, it's never really necessarily easy. Um, you know, I think ultimately that ties in with the fact that Jesus, what Jesus put out there wasn't always the easiest thing to accept. But when we accept God at his word, and we accept Jesus as his word, and we do things in accordance with that, with the act, actually applying his word to our lives, um, it's imperishable. Uh, the impact is life-changing and eternal. So with that, I want us to uh, take a look at that part of that message, which Dave Atkins started for us two weeks ago. He came out of the uh, a letter that was written to uh, the church, uh, a general letter that was circulated throughout Asia Minor. Uh, Peter wrote that around 64, 65 AD. And the Christians at that time were facing a lot of hardship and persecution, uh, not unlike some of the challenges that we're faced with today, and that life as we know it is anything but normal. Um, you know, this isn't normal. Um, a little bit more challenging, but, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it just it is it is a challenge, but God gives us the means of dealing with that. You know, my heart goes out to you that are having to homeschool. I'm glad that I'm beyond that stage with our kids. It uh, doesn't mean that there still isn't conversations and interaction to kind of help each other navigate this. But Peter ultimately reminds them that they need to be prepared both mentally and spiritually, and that their faith is of greater worth than gold, and they need to really hang on to that true faith. So. He reminds them in a number of different ways. In, in verse 8, he does talk about how their faith is of greater worth than gold. In verse 5, uh, being shielded by God's power. Uh, ultimately, that the disciples and Christ had been revealed to them. The Messiah that had been long awaited had shown up and was a deliverer. He was their savior uh, in understanding that. And that, that God would come down on the flesh and die for us in forgiveness of our sins and give us the opportunity, as he was resurrected from the dead because he was sinless, he gives us that same opportunity to resurrect from the dead of our sin and the things that separated from us, from God to be transformed into Christ's likeness. So with that, in verse 5, it talks about this incredible mercy that we've received through the resurrection of Christ. So if you would, turn with me to 1 Peter 2. In 1 Peter 2, verse 1, it reads, Therefore rid yourself of all malice, in deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of any kind. He says to, to, re, to rid yourselves, to be done with, to change, to repent, to grow, to live as God has called us to live our lives. You know, as you sit here watching this morning, you, you, may, you may need to just wrestle with this a little bit. There may be some things in your life that you need to get rid of. And what would those things be? I know for me, before I became a Christian, um, there were any number of things. Uh, I was very selfish. Um, you know, my, my, my success came from what I did in the workplace. I managed the largest, uh, 
Ford dealership west of the Mississippi back in the late 80s, early 90s. And I found a lot more, uh, for me, a lot more fulfillment from work because it was something that I excelled at and, and really, in, in some instances, dreaded coming home because I didn't know how to be a good husband. I didn't know how to be a good parent. There were so many areas of my life that I felt like I was a failure at home. And a lot of it had to do with how I was wired. I was a very angry individual. Uh, there was pornography in my life. There were a lot of things that really created those issues in my household, not knowing Christ, not having a relationship with him. You know, I grew up, uh, I was agnostic from the age of 13 on. And a lot of things that took place in my past continue to plague me in the present at that point. And so there were a lot of things I needed to rid myself of in order to repent and become like Christ. Uh, verse 2, it talks about like newborn babies crave spiritual milk. You know, as you sit here this morning, what is your craving? Is it temporary relief from uh, the quarantine, from the virus, uh, things getting back to, to normal, uh, toilet paper, or may, maybe something better, something greater than that? You know, and again, thinking that through, what is it you really crave? Peter says that we need to crave pure spiritual milk. Why? Well, you think about that. What does milk represent for our bodies? Uh, there, it's full of nutrients. There's vitamins. There's protein. You know, we've got the old saying, milk does a body good. And it's the same thing when it comes to spiritually. Um, as a child, if you're not drinking milk, there's the po possibility for your skeletal structure to be compromised, to be weak, uh, potentially broken bones. And there, there's any number of things when it comes to what our intake is and how that allows us to either grow in a good way or to potentially have developmental issues. When it comes to our spiritual growth, it's the same thing. When it comes to pure spiritual milk, as milk does a body good, pure spiritual milk does a soul good. You know, what, what is the purpose behind that? So that by it, you may grow up in your salvation, as he says in verse 3, now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. So thinking about this, you know, due to this worldwide pandemic and the growing death rate that we're experiencing right now, many have been forced to slow down. And as a result, it's very possible that you're taking some time to do a self-appraisal of your life today. Maybe you're one of those individuals. Again, you know, just thinking through my life, I'll, I'll never forget it when I first uh, was invited out to church um, and being asked what my purpose was in life. It was something that was very challenging for me emotionally and that I knew there had to be more than work, but that was really all I could look to as my purpose in life. And it was, you know, okay, I was a sales manager. Then it's a matter of becoming a general sales manager and then maybe someday owning my own dealership. But one of the things that I found during that period of time is every time I climbed the rungs to the next level, there was always another extension on that ladder to the one beyond that. There was never, ever really arriving at anything that I could derive any real sustenance from it, as far as knowing that there had to be something bigger than my life out there. Um, you know, and that, that may be something that you're going through. Maybe you've decided that there's more to life than the way you've been living. Perhaps you've decided that you want to live life differently going forward. And I think for all of us, whether you're a disciple of Christ or not, Today is a call to live a resurrected life. God sent Jesus to die for us. And he's been building his church for more than 2,000 years so we all can live resurrected lives. Every time someone has surrendered their life to Jesus, every time there's a baptism, every time someone is added to the body of Christ and decides to live a resurrected life, 
another stone is set in place. You know, ultimately, building God's church, the kingdom, it's a contractor's dream. It's a building that is never completed. It's always growing because disciples, God's living stones, are continually being added. You know, Brian talked about this again a little bit last week. Born again of imperishable seed. Uh, born of water and spirit, as we see in John 3. And then Peter talked about it in one of the greatest sermons of all time in Acts 2, and that there's this need to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sin, to be made new, to be given a fresh start. And yes, you know, ultimately this is a, a time of uncertainty and struggle, but the thing that we've got to keep in mind is this virus is perishable, just as we are. God is not perishable. Jesus is not perishable. The Holy Spirit is not perishable. God's word is imperishable as well. So with that, God, through Jesus' death and resurrection, has given us the, this imperishable, imperishable um, eternity with him in heaven. So as disciples, we've got to continue to build on the work that others have done before us. Paul speaks to this in Ephesians 2.20 about this being built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And ultimately, they were the first ones to preach the gospel message, the good news about Jesus Christ. Others picked up where they left off and added more stones to the building. As Paul put it in 1 Corinthians 3, I planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. So when we think about this and what's in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, 9 and 10a, do you see the joint effort here between God, Jesus the Spirit, and God's people? Now, with the Spirit leading him, Paul built up the Corinthian church for a while, and then when he left, Apollos and others came along and picked up where he left off. It's the same way here in our faith family. Many of us watching this morning have served on the construction crew for this spiritual building in the past, and those of you who are here now continue to build on what has already been done. There are some of you that are continuing to build during this crazy time. We've got men and women studying the Bible on Zoom. There's men and women becoming disciples digitally. And obviously, they're, they're hitting the water. You, you can't be baptized digitally. Uh, it was great seeing Mofid Tom uh, uh, in the Middle East. One of our sister churches in Lebanon with a mask and the gloves and a bathtub and taking care of things, baptizing, ushering those new living stones into the kingdom. So with that, men and women that are reading scripture with our family, you know, we see this going on with our church family on Zoom. Um, again, some have already gotten baptized. Others are soon to be baptized. And others who have faltered want to recommit and turn back to Jesus. This is an incredible time. And then we're faced with our mortality. It gives us the opportunity to really slow down enough and, you know, assess things. There, there's been a number of you that have been coming to the church for quite some time and it's never the right time. There's always something going on. You're always too busy. But just really understanding that when it comes to what Jesus has done for us, is a really an excuse not to hear the gospel message and then apply it. You know, there's uh, I've got these white stones in front of the house, and I was going to bring them in here and actually use those as a demonstration today. But uh, when it comes to stones, ultimately there's nothing really special about them. They may be different in shape and size and you know, if it's from a riverbed, they're smooth. If it's out in the middle of the desert somewhere, they're maybe a little rough. But they're nothing more than being merely stones. And the Bible says a lot about stones. In Joshua, 
Uh, Joshua set up a memorial of stones as a reminder for future generations of the incredible victory that God had given them in Joshua 4, verse 3. David, as we know, before he went out to face Goliath, chose five smooth stones to fight Goliath, and he used one of them ultimately to defeat Goliath and kill him in 1 Samuel 17, verse 40. Uh, the prophet Elijah took 12 stones to build an altar to God when he called down fire from heaven on Mount Carmel to defeat his opposition in 1 Kings 18, 31 through 32. So we can see in each of these situations, the stones represent what God had done for the nation of Israel, for his people. And the significance of the monuments was not just another marker, but it represented a spiritual significance and that God's presence and deliverance of an oppressed nation, this was huge that God intervened on their behalf. You know, was that any different with David? No. And again, we see a victory for God and the deliverance of his people. So what does this mean for us today? I think ultimately, perhaps one of the most interesting uses of stone in the Bible is when Peter describes Jesus, you and I, as living stones. In chapter 2, verse 4, he says, in chapter 2, verse 4, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You know, for those of us who've accepted God's great gift of love and made Jesus Lord, for those of us who walk and live resurrected lives, we're grateful. And we understand what a precious gift that God has given to us. Um, for those who maybe have not yet made that decision to surrender to Christ, God has taken this Jesus who was despised and rejected by men and made him the cornerstone. He is before all, above all, and in all. In verse 5, it reads, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. You know, what is God's purpose for us? What is God's purpose for the church? What is his reason for the, joining us together, bringing us together as a people, as living stones? And then ultimately, God understands the significance of the spirit-led family and the power of unity. He brings us together as one family, his sons and his daughters. He places the lonely in his family. His family, his church binds the wound of the brokenhearted. He gives hope to the hopeless, purpose to the purposeless, and resurrects the dead to new lives. Peter continues here in verse 6 when he says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Peter is actually referencing a passage from Isaiah the prophet, chapter 20, verse 16, where it says, so this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. And that's how it is for me as a Christian. In that in light of everything that's going on, I know God's got this. He's bigger than all of it. The worst thing that could happen is that I die today. In that for my family and the potential challenges that that might represent, but for me, it's a victory. And I, I think, you know, just really need to understand that if we rely on God, we'll never be stricken with panic. This is what we need more than anything during this time, a solid foundation. We can't turn to the media for a solid foundation. We can't turn to politicians for a solid foundation. For a solid foundation, there's only one place to turn and only one place to turn to and then build on. 
And that solid foundation starts with and ends with the precious cornerstone, Jesus Christ. You know, you think through the significance of a cornerstone. A cornerstone, going back to the earliest means of construction, was a, a stone that was hewn, cut, right angle to right angle. It was perfect. So there's a lot of time and energy that went into carving that stone and then setting that stone and building off of that stone. If there was a problem with the cornerstone, there would be a problem with the building. We know that Jesus was perfect. He represents that perfect cornerstone, this amazing foundation for us to build our lives on. So back in 1 Peter 1, verse 7, through 2, verse 7, it says, Now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is a direct quote from Psalm 118, verse 22. You know, as we think through Easter Sunday, the resurrection, this amazing plan for God's people, it has existed from the beginning. God always wanted to walk with us, to build with us, and to build through us. You know, you look back at the very beginning with Adam and Eve. God walked amongst men, Adam and Eve. He was there with them. He's always wanted that. He's continued to work through men to ultimately get us to the point where we have Jesus Christ today. You know, you think about it. There, there was the fall in the garden. Adam and Eve were cast out. There was a uh, there was Noah and the covenant God made with Noah, delivering those that from the flood that were righteous, that lived in accordance with what God established. We see God using Moses to deliver his people, Abraham, Ezekiel, Daniel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, right up to John the Baptist. There's many more in there. But they all shared one thing, and they all had one thing in common. In Matthew 23, verse 37, Jesus talks about it right here. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, your people have killed the prophets and have stoned the messengers who were sent to you. I've often wanted to gather you, your people, as a hand gathers her chicks under her wings, but you wouldn't let me. And now your temple will be deserted. What's Jesus referencing here? You look back at the, the uh, prophets, Noah, Moses, the rest of them. They were either rejected or they were killed or both. We think about Jesus today. Jesus can cause people to stumble. We look back during his time, he was killed for it. Why? Because he represented change, transformation. And ultimately, none of us like change. It's something new, and we prefer what's old, what we know. You know, how many of us like our current living conditions? It's change. I mean, we're most of us are living in a pretty good situation. You know, all of us have concerns about finances. Some are in the midst of that. And uh, we have the ability as a church family to be able to help one another through these times. But this change that we're going through isn't something that we wanted. You know, so when we think about Jesus' message regarding his message. It wasn't wanted. It didn't fit in with their plans. Those who rejected him found Jesus' message useless and unsuitable for what they personally were building. It wasn't worth the price. It wasn't worth the cost in order to become a Christian, to make Jesus Christ Lord of their lives. People reject Christ because they want to build their lives the way they want to build their lives. They want to do their own thing. And with that, you know, with their own exclusions, oh, Jesus, I'll take that. That's good. The salvation thing's amazing, but the things that I need to do in accordance with Scripture to get there, I, I like the easy-peasy, uh, you know, just embrace you. You're awesome. I love you, and I'm just going to continue living my, my life the way that I want to live it. 
That isn't, that isn't what, that isn't what God wants for us. He understands what's best for our lives. People rejected Christ again because they wanted to do their own thing. We need to understand is the stone, the very stone that God has chosen to be the foundation stone for this life, for you and me, and the stone, ultimately the stone will be the thing that will usher us into the next life. It is the only stone that can support and bear the weight of this earthly life. And it's the stone chosen by God. It's a living stone. It's not dead, but alive. So ultimately, what does that mean? God is eternal. So the building of God will last forever and ever. His church, his people. Therefore, the, the cornerstone laid by God is bound to be eternal. It will never deteriorate or waste away. Peter talks about it in 1 Peter 2, verse 8. He says, this stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. We fall because as Americans, as men and women, we think we know better. We want what we want, when we want it, with very little regard for anyone else but ourselves. You know, I shared about it a little bit earlier when it came to what was important to me before I became a Christian. Uh, work versus family, pornography versus the intimacy of a, a right relationship with my, my wife. And these things can come back and plague us as Christians, but ultimately it's getting back to that calling that Peter is calling the church to. Um, in continuing verse 8, it says, They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you would not receive mercy, but now you have received mercy. You know, God doesn't desire monuments of lifeless rocks. God doesn't desire these amazing cathedrals and buildings. What God desires is monuments of resurrected lives. To be a living stone is to ultimately declare the praises and glory of a victorious God who overcame death for each and every one of us through his own son, Jesus Christ. That's what Easter's all about this morning. The mercy he demonstrated, the forgiveness he extended to us, makes it possible for us to be that chosen people that Peter is talking about. This royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Just think about the way that, and the extremes that God went to to bring us from darkness into his light. So the call this morning is become a living stone to live a resurrected life. God chose us to build incredible lives as testimonies of his love, grace, and mercy to those around us. He's called us to live a life that allows other lives to be changed through us. These precious living stones built on the solid rock of Christ. Together as disciples of Christ, we're building God's community we're standing together, unified, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, reflecting the light of God. Now, when that final stone was rolled away, what it ultimately revealed was an empty tomb because Jesus Christ, our Savior, was resurrected. It is the one thing that we need to remember today and always as we continue to do life together. If you're here this morning with us and you would like to build upon the rock of eternal salvation, we would like to invite you into our homes. You know, we were meeting uh, in home, very similar format to what we've got going here, uh, getting together, sharing how we're doing, what's going on in our lives, uh, getting each other to pray for whatever the health issues or otherwise that may take place, and looking at the scriptures together so that we can stand firm and we can continue to be grateful for the gift of salvation that we receive through Christ. So if you would like to accept this invitation, 
to look at the Bible together with us, to read scripture together and to see how Jesus can live, how life through Jesus, you can live a resurrected life, please message us. There will be a link that's going to be, that's included in our chat. If you're following us on uh, YouTube, our YouTube channel this morning, uh, talk to whoever it is that's invited you out. Our website, our church website is southbaychurch.us. There's a number of ways that you can get in touch with us and we can connect you with a local group in your community so that when this all does eventually pass, you'll have some great relationships within a block or two of yourselves that you didn't even knew existed. So please connect with us. I um, want to just take this opportunity to call out to God. God bless all of you and have a happy Easter. Uh, I do have some questions that uh, we're going to distribute to our uh, Bible Talks this week that uh, we'll give you the opportunity to kind of drill down on this a little bit and just see as a disciple where you're at. If you're not sure even what a disciple is or where you're at in relationship with God, if you check in with us this week uh, for our midweek services online. The questions that we're going to do uh, talk about come off of the message this morning. God chose us to build incredible lives as testimonies of his love, grace, and mercy to those around us. First question would be, what are the ways God has blessed you with grace and mercy? You know, it's always good to think through that and be grateful for what we've received from God. The second question is, what are the ways my life demonstrates this? You know, how are we showing others the grace and mercy we've received, the good news? How are we demonstrating that for others? And then the final one is, what are the areas that I need to repent or grow in to make God's love more evident to others? So what I'd like to do right now is to close this out with a prayer. And this is where we are every week until you hear otherwise. Um, Again, please connect with us. We can we can uh, pray for you. We can connect you with other resources and uh, just continue to build on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ with the living stones of each and every one of us as we make Jesus Lord of our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together, uh, the opportunity to look to your scriptures, but more than anything, to look to you for guidance during a uh, time that can be a little destabilizing. Uh, this is not something that we're used to. But uh, when we think about what this day represents and the extremes Jesus was willing to go through so we could have an, a relationship with you, uh, I know myself and I'm sure anyone else that's within earshot are very grateful uh, to the extremes that you would go to give us a relationship with you. Father, I do pray uh, that you'll be with Stephanie Williams and just continue to help her uh, to navigate these times and the health issues that she has. Again, be with the doctors, be with those that are a support to her and uh, just help her to uh, get through this. Uh, for Jane Mills and her uh, the hip injury she recently received, help her to heal quickly. Uh, please be there to uh, alleviate any pain that she may be feeling. And uh, God, for our first responders, our first liners, our doctors, our nurses, our police, our uh, those in the military, our firemen, uh, please just get them through this time healthy. We're so grateful for their examples, men and women that are willing to set down their lives so that uh, we can maintain our health. But more than anything, Father, help us to rely on you to grow stronger as we crave that pure spiritual mouth that Peter talks about, knowing that it will enable us to mature spiritually and to be able to rejoice in the day we hear, well done, good and faithful servant, as we enter through the gates of heaven. Father, I love you. Thank you for this time. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.